Hello world and welcome to Notorious P.O.D. episode 41. I'm your host, Big John Bass. It's another Hip Hop Forum episode, which means I'm joined by wrestling belt wearing Cal. How are you, mate? All right, the champ is here. <laughs> he's actually, he's actually, he, he went home to get it. So, champ is uh, in the building. Yeah, champ, basically. Champ, champ, champ is in, in the building. building. We're also joined by the dulcet tones of Thelonious Filth. How are you, mate? Hello, hello. Good, good as gold, mate. Spurs you know, won a game. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what? When you did that to you, there was I had a, a slight quiver there in my <laughs> nether regions. Um, <laughs> there's going to be plenty of listeners doing the same thing. Um, how are we, boys? All good? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah mate. Tip top. Living the dream. We've got an absolutely rampacked show today, um, featuring lots of stuff, including another halftime hype uh, track. If you are a buddy musician, if you are a rapper, if you're a producer, if you're a singer, and you've got some music you want to send to us, go to our website, NotoriousPOD.com. Um, you can send us your submissions. We had some submissions. There was one that was whack. I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name drop them. Um, <laughs> but fucking hell, it was shit. Uh, oh my so, god. So bring it on. Like you know, you've got you've got to pass the sniff test of notorious POD. Um <laughs> I like uh, that sniff yeah, test. Yeah, so just keep keep sending over your music. You got to back yourself. Um, obviously, we're we're pushing and um, people people that we like. We're going to have more of those artist profiles. Obviously, we had Jada Virgo on a little bonus episode, which I thought he was he was great. Um, gave a bit of an insight into like his own music and uh, also his, like musical interests and that kind of stuff. I thought it was really really cool. Um, so if we if we like you, we'll feature you. People will listen to your music and you get free promo from us. So it's pretty good. It's a pretty good deal, right, boys? I think that's Absolutely. a good idea, but I've actually just, we, I've just, <laughs> I've just had an idea. <laughs> I think that when we do halftime hype, that whatever rapper we choose to feature has to diss the rapper that was on the podcast before. <laughs> For God's sake! Oh my God! This Don't is beef season. This. Beef season. Beef season. Love it. I love it. Um, right. Let's um, let's jump straight into it because um. Part one, Street Report. This is the latest in the world of hip hop. There is there is loads going on, boys. Um, mm. First things first, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I think we actually um, have spoken about Rock and Roll Hall of Fame maybe last year in one of the earlier episodes, just about the general idea. Do we give a shit about it? Why isn't there like a hip hop Hall of Fame? Um, but the reason we're bringing it up this this time is there's a couple of noted artists from the sort of hip hop and R&B community that have been nominated to go on the list. Mary J. Blige. Uh, Jay-Z and LL Cool J join a list including Kate Bush, uh, Foo Fighters, The Go-Go's, Iron Maiden, Shaka Khan, Carol King, Fela Kuti, uh, who else I know, Rage Against the Machine, Todd Rundgren, Tina Turner, Dionne Warwick and a couple of others as well, um, all in the list for 2021's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ballot. Um, I feel like those three names from the hip-hop side T make sense, right? These these are sort of top, top-tier legendary artists. Yeah, um... I, mean, I think it's Jay Z's first go at being being nominated and being um, yeah nominated to the Hall of Fame. But yeah, was, I mean, I'm guessing it's a few times for LL um, trying to make the list. But no, it's cool. Um, I think there is a Hip Hop Hall of Fame. Um, this this would be an annual show every year, and they'd, they'd induct two or three people. But yeah, I mean, I remember when I think RapEx were banned for a long time, so it just shows our times are changing. Yeah, for true. Cal. Um. 
I'm I'm quite I'm a nerd, so I'm interested in what you have to do to become eligible. Because like in boxing, you have to be retired for five years before they before they would accept you as like as like a as someone that's like valid that's able to go in. So I mean, I, the nerd in me is interested on how you become eligible to go in. Um, yes, I remember us talking about uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame before, and I think it was I, I brought it up because I'm of the opinion of why do rappers want to go into it. I don't understand. Like, I, I think that you know, LL cool, LL needs a boost, doesn't he? He's doing he's doing what Miami Vice or whatever the fuck he's doing these days. I want to see him get on the stage and go. Elvis was a pedo, rock and roll shit, and then knock the mic over and and then leave. Like, I don't understand. I give you know, treat it with. I don't think it it's that big of a thing going in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I don't know. I mean, it feels a bit like to me like how um, the Grammys is like the sort of for whatever reason considered like the gold standard of of award in music and it feels like the rock and roll hall of fame is is rock and roll in name only like mm. there's loads of art i mean you can't really class kate bush and tina turner as rock and roll like mm. and there'll be loads of people that are already in there that are that are completely different genres so it's it's almost just yeah like the golden star it's basically like music hall of fame isn't it yeah yeah so if you see it through that lens, then makes sense. Um, I think all three of those belong, like in in that level of of, of artists. Because for me, this should be like list of like all time greats that like most people would know, and that have done something for their own genre and created a bit of a legacy. And I think all three of those have done that for for hip hop and R and B. So yeah. I wouldn't be sad if any of them three got in there. Um, anything else on this one, boys? Or should we should we crack on? Let's crack on. Yeah. All right. Next up. It wouldn't be a uh, hip hop forum without some Griselda chat. So, talk to me, T, about Conway's new album. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, you know, I like that Big Ghost is, you know, it's kind of become almost, when you see his name attached to a project, you know it's going to be a good project. And mm-hmm. this one doesn't really disappoint at all. It's a re- really enjoyable album. It's got Knowledge, Knowledge of Pirate, who, you know, is quite underrated, but his verse is really good. Really enjoyed him. No, it's a really enjoyable album. Good, strong start to 2021. Love it. How about you, Cal? Yeah, this. Uh, I love the cover. I think both the covers that they put out on Instagram were both really good. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I would have been nice to maybe seen one or two more guests on there. But um, like T said, Knowledge the Pirate is someone that you don't see him loads and loads. But whenever he pops up, he delivers. Um, I remember he did that track with Rock Marciano. What's that one we like? Is it Cradles or something? I can't remember, but it's something that's really, really good. It's really, really basic. It's classic Enya rap, classic Enya rap. And he's always, he, he does bits whenever he turns up. And uh, my guy Ransom is on there as well. And uh, He was good, you know to what? be fair. He was very good. And he's on a run this year. Ransom, oh, let's say 2020. Ransom, he had a really good 2020. He put out like five projects last year. Um, and had a really, really good, solid year. And do you know what sometimes is enjoyable is is putting on an album without looking at the track list. So you have no idea when mm. cer- a certain rappers that are, that someone's about to come in that's different. Do you know what I mean? So like when I listened to Conway, I just put it on. And I didn't, I didn't look at it, and I just kind of was potting about. And then I heard my guy Ransom turn up, and I was like, oh shit, Ransom! Like it was just a nice, a nice kind of surprise, you know. Um, Almost, sometimes I think there's something to be said about like uncredited features. Maybe, maybe that's the future. Like more surprises, you know. 
It's a good shout because I, I do it so often. It's such a bad habit. Like when albums drop and I'm just like, all right, who are the features? And then I'm like, oh, I don't know, Raekwon's on this. Like, I'll, I'll have a listen to that one first. It's like, why am I do like, why am I literally doing all the things I tell people not to do, which is like albums, projects, whatever, that they're built to be played in a certain order and to just be enjoyed as they are. And you kind of, you're right, you kind of lose those that sh- those shock moments when someone comes in it is a little bit like wrestling with like a stone cold steve austin glass smash yeah and then it comes running down like you you need those moments to be able to get excited so that things come in like when you're not expecting them to to break it up um yeah. from like a just like i hate the word but sonically right you want yeah. it to be different and like this new voice comes in and it just it just changes the game so it's interesting cal yeah. where do you where do you see this because we again we talk about the sort of volume of output from griselda where yeah. would you where would you place this for like a conway project um Ooh. in terms of what he's got there because again there's like there's a lot to pick from now so i feel like mm. it's maybe i mean it's almost impossible to rank but where, where where do you see this in terms of his um his projects that he's put out recently mm, it's a good it's a good point i think i might like it more than from a king to a god um Although from a king to a god had Lloyd Banks on it, so you know. Um, <laughs> but I, I think I think what was good about it was that it had one producer and was produced top to bottom, yeah. and that gave it a certain sound, a certain theme, um, a little bit shorter than from a king to a god as well, which I think is always good. You know, nineteen tracks on the little bit on the long side for me, especially for an artist like Conway, whose um, his subject matter is not the most varied um there's not a lot of variety there it's kind of like i'll shoot your mum for 19 tracks which is fine i'm all we'll you know all three we of all us love that it. yeah we all love i'll shoot your mum rap that's what you know there's any rap i'll shoot your mum rap we're, we're here for all, all of that stuff we love it yeah. um but i think for someone like conway perhaps it's a good thing to just maybe you know shrink you know shorten the uh shorten the the, the the albums down a little bit but it's up there it's up there maybe not as good as lulu or you know but it's it's up there yeah fair shout fair shout too we were just talking um there about ranking this album in comparison to like conway's projects like i know that you've really enjoyed this one like how how would you see it fitting alongside would this be up in the sort of the echelons top echelons for of his projects it'd be very much a personal one for me because yeah. um I really, really enjoyed the album, and I probably enjoyed it more than, you know, um, Lulu, for example. But this album, I just think him and Big Ghost work really well, and the features aren't, not that they've gone for massive, massive names, you know, as we alluded to before, you've got Ransom, and mm. Knowledge of Pirates, not like he's gone for, you know, I guess other people within Griselda. And, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this album. I would put it up there with some of his better points, but I'd be, for my opinion, critically, I don't think it would be up there of um king to a god but personally i'd put it there fair fair enough so go and check out the album if you haven't heard it i haven't really listened to it yet if i'm being honest so i will get around to it and have a little listen but you boys have got me you've piqued my interest i think what you make you make a good point cal that i always i'm always more interested in projects where it's like one producer like and that and that you get a consistent sound from it even if like uh i'm just trying to think of like the freddie gibbs and alchemist product uh project alfredo I didn't love that, but I really admired the project because I really admired what they were trying to do as like a consistent sound and style. And it worked really well. It just wasn't to my taste. And so I was like looking for these projects where it's one producer kind of across it all, which is great. Um, okay, next story. This was probably the biggest story in hip hop towards the end of uh, end of this week as we record. Um, Diddy 
is or has produced a documentary for Netflix uh, entitled Biggie, I Got a Story to Tell. It drops on Netflix on March the 1st, so in a week and a bit's time, as we record. Um, real mixed reaction, actually. So I basically saw this on Twitter, and then I think one of you boys put it in our chat. And I was like, great. It's, it's some Biggie content. It'll be like behind-the-scenes footage. It'll be talking heads about one of my favorite rappers, What's Not to Like. And I was really shocked, actually, by how much negativity there was uh online what was what was your initial response car how did you feel about it when you heard the news shrug of the shoulder to be honest um uh, the whole biggie and tupac stuff i know this isn't about tupac but the whole biggie those two rappers have been done to death to be honest um i really enjoyed the the bad boy film that they brought out um i really enjoyed that it was one of the you know i i bought that and they but they but that was because Yes, it was about Biggie, but it was also about Mace and Puffy and, and Black Rob and everybody. And so I, I enjoyed that kind of thing of it, as well as the, the reunion concert. But a Biggie documentary, I just kind of shrugged my shoulders. I was like, okay, cool, I'll watch it. Like, of course I'll watch it, because Biggie's probably my favourite rapper. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this, this, this is the reaction I was talking about. T, how did yeah. you feel about it? I just feel it's a story that's been told before so many times. The only thing I would like if it, if it gives as little time to the two-pack beef as possible because why I loved um, Biggie's nothing to do with all that. And that's kind of, um, for me, that's a footnote. But, you know, obviously I think we're at a stage now where he's been dead longer than he's been alive. So the legacy of how he died is more bigger than the legend of what he was or what he meant to the East Coast at that time. Because when he first came up, yeah, um, you know, Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg dominating the charts and... Biggie kind of reclaimed, you know, New York as a birthplace as hip hop. So I hope it does go more towards that than than the beef. But um, I mean, I'm I'm really bad. I'm, normal, I'm almost a polar opposite to Cal. I've not watched um, you know, the Bad Boy movie, the Notorious, the film, whatever documentaries. So it would be fresh to me. But I don't think I'm not expecting there to be anything on there that I don't already know. Yeah, and to be fair, <clears throat> that's kind of the way I thought about it. Is it, it, the first things that popped into my head were. The Defiant Ones, the the Dre and um, Jimmy Iovine documentary, and then the Jordan Last Dance. And I was like, if we get anything like, even close to the quality of those documentaries with this as the subject matter, then this is essential viewing for me. Like, it, mm. it's not like with these sort of subjects, if you're a big fan, like, of course you know most of the stuff, right? You know most of the trivia, you know most of the stories. But just having it together in like a complete body of work and seeing it done in a way and maybe hearing some stuff we haven't heard from the first time or rare footage and that that's for me is what's interesting about it is like it's just going to be a a collection of that and hopefully it will be done in a way that actually really like is quite inspiring and i totally agree with t i really hope this doesn't become like going towards the kind of Tupac and and his demise through the lens of the conspiracy and if it's produced by Diddy it probably won't and that's probably a good thing right it'll just stay away from that and hopefully focus on you know the beginnings of his career all the way through the success and 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 those those bits of magic that aren't in the film for example right which is like the the trivialized version of his life that's what I'm looking for I'm looking for a bit of grit proper hip-hop proper New York of the 90s that's what I'd really like to see and I've got to be honest, I'm, I'm really excited for this. I think this will be great. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I, I just hope it's not a complete uh, sugarcoating. Like, I hope it's a bit more warts and all. And again, 
with Diddy at the helm, it's it's hard to see that that happening. But yeah. you never know. I don't know how to what extent he's involved in this. In the same way as like, I know Jimmy Iovine and Dre were like exec producers on that documentary, but they I think they went pretty not hard on them, but I think they were pretty fair in the way that they approached it. So it just depends, yeah. I think, on who else is involved. I guess it, I guess it kind of depends on the format of it, really. Um, yeah. Because like the the Defiant ones and the uh, the Last Dance. They were made by HBO and ESPN, respectively, whereas this is a a Netflix one. And those two were like five, six parters, weren't they? Whereas this, I don't know if this is going to be... If this is an hour and a half documentary film, I think it's going to be... I'm not looking forward to it at all. I think if you give it four or five episodes, it's like, okay, you're going to actually take your time on this. It's not going to be the usual loads of just you know the usual talking heads little kim little c's all of them just talking about saying yeah he was so great he was a wonderful person la 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 east west beef blah 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 the end like i you know, i think if they like you said if they really if they stretch it out and get go into in depth um did he did he do a stretch and bobito show uh yeah is it yeah. a really early freestyle on on stretch bobito yeah yeah so it's perhaps stuff like that i'm more interested in than the, the usual stuff you know yeah, for me that like the thing about um those two documentaries, Defiant Ones and um Last Dance, is there's like a a narrative that isn't just like the story of Michael Jordan and the story of Dr. Dre. The Defiant Ones is like Jimmy Iovine and Dr. Dre, this unlikely couple, and like sort of following the point where they meet and then how they um how they do that, right? So you've got these two almost like completely different figures that meet and, and end up doing something quite special in in music so that's its own narrative and then the jordan thing is 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 kind of yeah is following his life but it's also through the lens of this team doing something extraordinary that's not been done and this is this is it right this is the last dance if they find something like a thread that they can pull through and i agree with you it's got to be like four five six episodes and they can pull the string through and you're really like you're telling the story but you're doing it in a way that's like pinned on something that will be fucking great if it is literally just a biography then yeah i'm I'm way less interested in that so we will we will wait and see all right we're gonna um we're gonna step into part two this is back in the day back in the days when i was young i'm not a kid anymore but some days i sit and wish i was a kid again back in the days when i was young i'm not a kid anymore but some days i sit and wish i was a kid okay so this section is back in the day this is where we talk about something or someone from the golden era uh we had a brilliant article on our website notoriouspod.com uh from james holder our very own uh, article writer who wrote an excellent piece on tupac's all eyes on me turning 25 years old um cal seeing as you're barely 25 years old yeah. um what what do you think about this album mate where does this stand for you in the um in the kind of list of, of tupac albums one of the um i think i think this is a topic for another day but uh one of his better album covers, and I think there's a, I think there's a topic to discuss one day around album covers, our favourite ones, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, but one of the better album covers, um, the first ever double disc rap album, apparently, according to Suge Knight. Um, I always, uh, and I said this on a podcast before, um, I always strangely liked disc two more than disc one. I think what happened was um 
I realized that Can't See Me is the opening track of disc two is produced by Dr. Dre. And at the time I was a massive Dr. Dre fanboy. And so I was like, oh, that's what I'm going to listen to first. So I put on disc two first. Um, and then I ended up just listening to that a little bit more. That The second disc is a little bit more introspective, a little bit more um, pre-Death Row Tupac, whereas the first one is got the singles on it it's got i ain't mad at ya two of america's most wanted um all about you that's got all the singles on it um but the for me the the best track on on the album uh is the first track on the album ambitions as a rider like it's such banger. a fucking banger track and then um what the other memories it's a great song two packs two packs you know it's a great song great instrumental but then Cameron covered it. Do you remember Cameron covering it? And he covered it when I really enjoyed his, I don't know if you call it a cover, but he took the beat anyway. Mm. But he rhymed the word cunt on it, which I really like. And I love it when Americans <laughs> do that. <laughs> so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good album. Not my favorite album. Me against the world is my favorite two pack album, but really it's still a pretty good album. Yeah. It's a good shout. And also like in terms of the covers, uh, in terms of the front covers, that's such a good shout because this is so iconic, and yet um, strictly for my is one of the worst album covers I've ever seen in my life. It looks it looks like an acid house like mashup album. That mm. cover, it's horrible. And I always think about it and just think, oh, that is a fucking atrocious album cover. And all lies on me is just so perfect, just like the death row, like uh, black, and he's just the way he's just sitting. It's just it's very of of its time and it sums up that album perfectly so um yeah it's a good shout maybe a conversation for another day about that kind of stuff but it's, it's very cool how about you t what, what's your thoughts on the album i never listened to it while it was alive um i was strictly biggie and i'm even more stubborn than i am now so nice. i listened to absolutely no two-pack whatsoever when it was alive oh, but, yes um <laughs> i mean absolutely an exaggeration obviously i heard i'll get around but i wasn't that au fait with this catalogue but, you know, with double albums for Night and Abs at the time, they're very self-indulgent and could have just made a single classic. But it was brave. And I think what Carl mentioned about Sugar Night, it being the first hip-hop double album, makes for good marketing. So this is the first ever hip-hop album, double album. It's never been done. You know, Tupac's a workaholic. You've got Dre in his corner with, you know, and Carl alludes to the first CD, which had California and Love and I Am Energy. These are the tunes that I just knew and loved. But, um... Yeah, I think it's probably the most iconic album of his, if not the best. Another album which turned 25, I believe, I might have the years wrong, is Fuji's The Score. Yes. Yes. I'm certain certain that you both um, rather enjoy that album. What what do you guys think of that album? What's your memories of that one? Um, So I was a big fan of that album. I really liked it. Um, And I I think it was just off the back of, like, the Fuji's at that time were, I guess, like, penetrating the chart, essentially. And so it was like more accessible, just more front of my mind. It was, you know, you, the fact that you had, you know, Lauren Hill and those like melodies on tracks, I think definitely helped it become again, more accessible. Mm. Um, to me, I would have been like 10 when that came out. So I was fairly young. Um, and that was before I properly got into hip hop. So for me, it was definitely, uh, an easy way to get into it as I've got older and I've like revisited the album, there's some brilliant there's some brilliant hip hop on there just like straight hip hop from all three of them delivering very decent verses um so yes yeah, again it's, it's another really strong album i think how about you Carl? yeah it's not it's not an album that i'm 
that I'm a massive, massive expert on. But um, it's a, it's a, obviously a really, really good album. I think one of the things that that when you go back and listen to it, um, you know, it's you know, Wycliffe kind of became you know a parody of himself, and and Lauren Hill she did the one album the one solo album and then kind of disappeared and you know she did try to do the odd concert and i think she did an mtv unplugged and some bits and pieces but she never really she didn't do like five six albums you know and um like a mary j blige or a beyonce or all these but i think the thing about lauren hill is i remember thinking this long time ago she was so ridiculously talented yeah. not just as a singer and songwriter but as a rapper, like I think, if she would have carried on in her career, she would have easily been the greatest female MC of all time. Like yeah. she was so good, such a good rapper and a brilliant singer as well. Um, so that's the main thing that I think about when I think about the Fugees. Like Wycliffe became this kind of parody pop artist kind of thing, but the guy was a genius. All three of them were in their own way, and that's the thing that stands out to me. Uh, the thing with um, that the album. While our beloved Spurs are getting filled in by Man City, I thought I'd um, you know give a little bit of um, a homage to the score album for Guitar 25 on that day. Mm. And um, I said, what surprised me the most about the album was the first album was a weed plate, you know, blunted on reality. It's one of the few, <laughs> one of the few albums that I sold. I sold it in, in a fit of rage because um, <laughs> I'd heard I'd heard uh, the Nappyhead remix, um, right. which was which is an absolute banger. And I realised it wasn't on the album, which I bought on vinyl. So I sold that shit, man. I was fucking raging. <laughs> so, um, so the second album comes out, and yeah, I definitely remember this right. Buster Rhymes did a freestyle over how many mics. But yeah. like, this instrument was amazing. And then the song, and then um, that was a B side to Fujilla actually. And you know, the album blew up. I was loving it, and then Killing Me Softly just put the album out into the stratosphere. As did No Woman No Cry. You know, two yeah. covers, but. No, it's, a, it's an absolutely brilliant album. Absolutely brilliant. And, you know, as Carl mentioned earlier, when Lauren Hill had so much potential, I actually saw something earlier, if you could really call her a legend. She only really released one album. And, you know, she, she'd lost in court saying that she created, now she, she, you know, produced and wrote most of the album and most of the stuff was done for her. So that kind of kills her legacy a little bit. But, you know, credit where credit's due, you know, um, the score was an amazing album. Praz is the Andrew Ridgely of that equation. <laughs> you know, exactly. Staying in the La cut. Just... Lauren Hill, Lauren Hill and Wycliffe are George Michael. Praz was fucking Andrew Ridgely. He got lucky with Ghetto Superstar. <laughs> I thought you were going down the route of like, he just knew his role. He just stayed in his lane. He just, he was the glue. I mean, I heard, um, I actually heard Praz talk about his time in the Fugees and that's basically what he said. He's like, look, those two were, infinitely more talented than me my talent was basically keeping those two in line and in check and just staying in the middle and just just keeping a, a like an equilibrium over the group now look that's a perfect it's a perfect thing but to you know say what at, at one stage one at one stage he wasn't saying it was kind of saying you know like he's like proper important members a bit like yeah. um you know you had bill bill devoe and ronnie devoe can't rap for shit and i think he once said yeah, you know what I'm going to do a rap album. It's going to have like Method Man and all these names in it. And the interviewer, I think this is in the Vibe magazine, actually, when New Edition got back together. And she said, yeah, um, to be frank, that would be quite whack. 
<laughs> she, put, she put in brackets. <laughs> Savage. She's probably, she's probably like, there's no family. We've got an article in Vibe. And then she nice. just writes that. Absolutely owns it. And then it's that, it's that classic scenario you see in movies where he like runs down to that thing with the sells or the magazine, yeah. just buys them all, just puts them straight in a bin. Like, fuck that. <laughs> no one else can read that shit. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Mate, talk, talking of savage reviews, I forgot to say to you boys, I was, I was, um, I was looking through like some of the different uh, like reviews and stuff for the pod on Apple. Uh, and then there's like another one on Chartable. Like I was just sort of seeing where we are on the on the charts and stuff like that. And there's reviews on there which I didn't realise. One of the reviews is fucking incredible. It, it's just like two stars, and then it's like just a bunch of English bros talking about hip hop. Not worth <laughs> it. I love that. I was like, I that <laughs> yeah. So just I, a bunch of English bros. English they bro. say bottle of water. <laughs> so I've, i was like that is fucking amazing so i've i've screenshotted it uh so that when we do start producing merch i think we should have a whole line of merch that's just people yeah. slagging us off because look there's no there's nothing worse in this world than than you know apathy and just like i don't like who cares i want people to hate us if people hate us think we're shit we're doing a good job because the the antithesis of that will be people that think we're fucking great um and that's that's what it's all about so uh keep giving us your reviews good or bad we fucking love it bring it on you slugs fucking do your working mugs do yeah to be fair I, just, I was just tempted to like try and track the guy down and just reply back just going oh what are you a run the jewels fan oh your velcro wallet stopped sticking has it fuck off mate <laughs> um right well we're just talking we're just talking about uh lauren hill's um wasted potential i want to talk about another artist wasted potential big l died this week back in 1999 uh in my opinion would have gone on to great things would have been in that top tier bracket um with the likes of biggie and tupac had he had he had the chance to um, carry on his career um a lot of people putting out uh videos clips uh audio clips and videos and stuff of freestyles um and just kind of memorials really to to big l um i know we've spoken about him a lot on this podcast and we've we've uh we've also made some pretty harsh jokes about big l because i know that i bang on about him a lot um but cal what, what are your like genuine thoughts on on big l as a, as a rapper and what his legacy is yeah, I think it's um he was obviously amazingly talented as a rapper. Um and I think it's a mystery of what he would have been. Um he may have been like the corrupt where he was like res- critically respected, respected by other MCs but perhaps didn't go over the top and become a mainstream star or he was so so charismatic and he was so charismatic. That's that's that is the truth of it. That he may have gone on to have been a massive, massive star and been what what Jay Z became. Or it doesn't even have to be that big, you know. He could have just been a fabulous or a, a Jar Rule or someone that was famous that you know had a run, and that would have been great. But T said before about you know Lauren Hill and her kind of legacy kind of tarn- becoming tarnished because of what people found out about her and i think when people find out that loon was his ghostwriter then i think that's just kind of gonna <laughs> just end the whole thing for him <laughs> t bring bring us some sanity to this conversation for the love of god 
There were a few um, decent articles I read this week. I don't know if I don't know if it was OC who said this, or if it was a writer who said this that um, Big L had his whole career planned out. You know, he started out as a devil's son. You know, of all that kind of stuff. He can't kill me. I was born dead. Type bars. Then he moved on to you know the flamboyant era, where you know towards the time when when he died, and he had a few more kind of images kind of drawn out throughout his career. So you know he, he could have been massive. Um, I'm gonna keep it a hundred and say that big picture was garbage. Wasn't a fan of that album. Um, if he should have do that, then probably better off that he got popped. But um... <laughs> <laughs> shit. <laughs> But I love the tease. Tease default is don't put it out. It's either you put it out or you get shot. Oh, They're the two options. <laughs> but um, but no, I mean, yeah, he had a shitload of potential, and he maybe not as big as Jay Z. Um, I mean, Jay Z is. I don't think Jay Z being what he is is all about what he did on Wax. It's all about how he managed his career, um, business decisions, and that's what he kept himself relevant. Jay-Z um, and not every rapper can do that and that's probably why it's very short-lived for a lot of rappers because they don't have control over their career they don't have control over their image and images go out of date and Jay-Z always found a way to keep himself relevant whether it's collaborating with Drake or Rihanna or Alicia Keys or whoever I'm not sure if Big L would have necessarily done that but he would have definitely had a credible career and you know, that first album was just absolutely incredible and you know, he's sorely missed and he'll influence people forever and a day. Still influencing people now and he died 22 years ago. So that just says it all. Yeah, it's a good shout to you. And I totally echo what you say there in terms of like the first album. The first album was was great. Um, I think the, the potential side of things for me is like you see it just in his like his wordplay and his and a lot of those freestyles that we see. Right. That freestyle session with with him and Jay Z, yeah, you see how far ahead of Jay Z he was. In my opinion, a lot of people think it's a lot is closer, and Jay Z was a bit more off the top and all that kind of stuff. But you can you can see the skill level that he was dealing with then was like very very high. The reason that I don't think he's held in the same esteem as say a Biggie and Tupac is like one, obviously the commercial success that those two had versus what he had, and I think the reason for that is he hasn't got like a sort of crossover banger that like your average joe on the street knows hypnotize and juicy or california or um you know any of the sort of like biggie and tupac hits that became like commercially successful and then even there's that layer beneath that isn't there that are like classic hip-hop records that people hear and go oh yeah i know that song like shook ones for example a lot most people don't know mob deep in the street but if you played them shook ones they'd know it or hip-hop by dead prez like just bangers simon says fairmont right bangers that people are aware of that cut through just the hip-hop community big l doesn't really have that and that's why i think he doesn't necessarily have the same kind of um acclaim in circles about his potential as he would have done um if he'd have had a just a hit like that um that people would have like clung on to um so yeah but for me like i genuinely think he would have been right up there in the very with the very best um as if his career had panned out just from a talent point of view his flow and delivery and punchlines is exactly what i want to hear just fucking vicious shit and he's also one of those like so quotable like if you just say to people like our oh, big l looks like you'll just get loads people just know him off by heart they're so like iconic so clever and witty so yeah fucking love big l um okay let's talk about another sorry, um i've got sorry, a mate, really on. random question not so much for you john but for t because i know what your answer is going to be but it just came to me 
Um, who do you, because, you know, you were just talking about Big L, he got took really young before he kind of crossed over. Who, T, who do you think had the higher ceiling, Big L or Big Pun? This is, that's a really difficult one because Big Pun had the collabo with um, with Joe. Yeah. Um, what's it called? Don't still want to be a player. player. Still not a player. Still, still yeah. not a player. That gave an indication of what he could have done. But I just feel I just feel that Jay, I feel that Big L was probably more. And as I said, knowing seeing that article that that interview with OC talking about the different stages of his career we had, I'm not sure if Big Pun had it had it mapped out like that. So maybe maybe. Um, Big L had more, I'd say. Mm. Possibly, yeah. All right. Sorry, John. No, it's, uh, that's a good question, though, because yeah. Big Pun definitely had that commercial flavour to him. Like, he yeah. was a bit more fun, I think. Mm. Like, Big L's quite serious, quite savage, quite, like, dangerous and, like, nasty and quite vicious. Like, his punchlines are quite funny, but there there is, like, an element of just, like, I will just fucking run you over in my car and spit on your, like, family. Whereas... Big pun was like fun, and it was like song, you know, songs for the girls as well, as well as just like some absolute bars. So I think he he had maybe more range in that sense. Do you think? Do you think you see Big Pun as a jolly fat man, and that's why you're saying that? <laughs> Are you saying do I see a lot of Big Pun in myself? Then yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't say yeah. it. Yeah, I didn't. I know what you think. I know where you're going with these things, yeah. Cal. As soon as there's you're anyone in... of a large stature, I know that you're going to try and shoehorn me into it. So I, I might as well. Yeah, I wasn't going to, but I, I, you know, I think you are. I think you're a scientific miracle because <laughs> the the way the size you are now, mm. big pun was long dead. <laughs> yeah, like. like like he was like fucking huge when he died and you're past that like so congrats i don't know what it is i think it's just that english air and it's that that hard brexit kind of you know (laughs) what that's what you're made of you're made of x forces you know hard brexit stuff and big pun wasn't blessed no exactly you know you know it's a um what's it the best privilege of always to be born british you know you can't what are you gonna do (laughs) what what are you gonna do what are you gonna do big fun it's you know it's what life throws at you you know what are you gonna do uh although he wasn't he he, big pun first uh hispanic rapper to get platinum album is that right sounds right sounds about right yeah so yeah i think like realistically if we are um if we are looking at the two i think like based on what they did when they were alive you have to go big pun um Based on my weight gain, um, I won't be far behind him. So we'll see. Um, one more thing from back in the day, very quickly. Uh, Nostalgia Ultra turns 10. Um, T, I think you put this in, mate. Thoughts on this one? Um, yeah, there was a, I think that around that time, Odd Future were just all over the gaff. You know, you had, um, Tyler was pretty much ahead of it. You had um, shirt kind of went AWOL for a while. But I guess arguably or critically, at least, the jewel in the crown was was Frank Ocean of Nostalgia Ultra. It's just um, a wonderful album. It's kind of um, it's one of the it's, it's probably um, influenced a little bit by 808s by Kanye West in terms of sound, and just it just sounded different to anything else that was out there. I guess it's probably one of the early alternative R and B albums. You know, you see people like you know Lucky Day, who are you know big at the moment. But 
that one of the early versions of the al- of what he does now was was Frank Ocean's Nostalgia Ultra, which is such an important album. And yeah, I just it's just mad that ten years is, is ten years old. Yeah, crazy. How about you, Cal? I'm loving that from T. I'm loving that that he introduced this into the running order because we're we're slowly just making our adjustment into an R and B podcast. And slowly, slowly, next pod, I won't be wearing a chain. I'm going to be wearing a sweatband. And then I'll be wearing a little bit of you know, black shoe polish under my eye to make myself feel like a really a really emotional and a really in touch with my feelings kind of guy. It's going to be no more beefs. It's just going to be, oh, yeah, baby, and all that sort of stuff. And so, yeah, I'm... Uh, <laughs> just don't um, piss on people. Yeah, that's it. None of that sort of stuff. Yeah, we're not allowed to talk about that guy. But I, I love Frank Ocean, you know. I love him. I've, every time I hear him or I hear a song, I hear a song of his. I'm like, oh my god, it's Frank Ocean. And uh, one of, one of my favorites, and I, I know T, you like him as well, Romdeful. He did a lot of edits around yeah. Frank Ocean oh. songs. And when we went to go and see him live that time, he played a lot of those, didn't he? A lot of those different yeah. edits that he did. And uh, I love him, um, but I love Nostalgia Ultra. Um, since then, like um, Channel Orange was okay. It was okay. Like Pyramid to me was like the best fucking song that, that was made that year by anybody in the world. Um, and Forrest Gump I loved as well and a couple of others. But since then, I've not loved his stuff, but I still, I love him. I love Frank Ocean and I still believe in him and I still think he can put out another classic. Um, but yeah, love Nostalgia Ultra, great project. Fair enough. All right, boys. Well, let's, um, I don't want to talk too much about it because I think you guys done a great job summing, summing it up. Um, so we are going to go now into um, our halftime hype. Uh, so this is where, for those that have never listened to us before, this is where we play a track by a an unsigned artist or just an artist that we like that we don't think is getting enough exposure. Um, we had a submission from an artist called Casket D. Um, this is a track called Treasure Chest. Uh, it's off an album called Sewer Steam. Um, you can check out this track on our Halftime Hype playlist. Uh, it's on Spotify. Just look for Halftime Hype uh, and you will find it. So you're about to hear the track Treasure, Treasure Chest by Casket D. Whoa. Yeah. Am I the only one who respects checkers? Well, they wish me well on my endeavors. They could talk that chess shit. I fought back less with. I don't hold grudges, just vendettas. Wish me well. Since now a nigga grave is a pissy cell. I retired recently, respecting half decency. Inconsiderate niggas die quick. They never buy shit, and they'll never have a seat with me. Too much dick sucking, I'm sucker ducking. They'll lose it all about that nigga, his baby motherfucking. They'll be shooting his cribble up. We've been on the front line, no men can meddle us. Huh? Judging from how it panned out, don't want no parts if it count me out. They count me back in, and you on the carpet list. Shit, how you playing the game without your heart in it? No wins, I'm with the same old friends I started with, nigga. We spit jewels just like a treasure chest. Keep a lock for the fools on our treasure chest. We pay dues to get a treasure chest. Abide by your own set of rules. That's a treasure chest. My day ones up in my treasure chest. Our daughters and our sons is our treasure chest. 
I keep guns up in my treasure chest. Whoever try front, they gon' get it next. You got your class, little G's. The shit I kicked don't clash with the fleas. Shit, go find some trash and just breathe. We ain't the same, cause you think we share a passion for keys. I really touch those and score your average last in the league. Please, feds had my brother's house, he stashed under siege. You a bitch, swallow knuckle, drink a flask full of these. Sheesh, everything we did, we did it on our own. Made men, could be business, could be killers on the phone. You never know who might be on the other side of my jack. Just know, fully prepared if a rival attack. Iron no clap, silence is golden, cause wise be tapped. I fuck the game, won't let it fuck me, never lie on my back. I'm a blessing to producers that's providing the track. Cause I flow light, my soul light is heightened from rap. I'm talking chandelier shines with LED bulbs, murdering MCs. Send them up to heaven in droves. Hold on, my skin light up hard, it got melanin tones. They try to stone me in the public square where pebbles was thrown. My shooter, he playing duck, huh? He clip feathers with chrome. I'm not the one you should have left him alone. Deeper than the sunken treasure on the ocean floor. Instead, it was poems up in that treasure chest. You feel my shit in every Represent if you step in my zone, it's funerals there. The reverend atone, I bring death to the I got a question. Tell me I ain't lapping who you listen to. You answer, don't be capping, don't be typical. All that I ask, you keep it truthful, like my rapping shit is biblical. They grab a hold of you in the physical. Sorta like you pissed your pops off before that ass whipping ritual. I thrash individuals, half of them pitiful. This for whoever, if the shoe happened to fit for you, wear it and step up. The captain here to cripple you. These bars with a morphine triple do. Handicap match, fuck it, your whole team slipping too. Please be easy, talking greasy. It's Awfully critical, my young boy dying to put 14 clips in you. Bang, I'm Lil Wayne in the car dose. Rocky after fighting Club Elaine with Mickey's heart would croak. I don't start the smoke, but trust me, dog, got all choke. Once it's in the air, so fair, you a target low, you a target blood. When despair hit, balls of soap, bagged it up. Best believe I sold it like some harder coat. I'm my father's hope, I'm my mother's light. Can't fuck with me now or in another life. I hold my brother's tight, my whole squad is dope. Green gang been repping that. Mad gifted. And bother, baby. Hope you accepting that. If not, chuck your deuces. Fuck the truces. I spit vile. I'm something ruthless. Keep the troopers for fun. Threats or intruders. Plus the Judas. Let's go. I think I think there's something to be said here that we should we shouldn't stop recording. That we should record all the way through because the outtakes. Think of the outtakes. Put them on SoundCloud for an hour. <laughs> all the bad stuff that we say, and bad then bad stuff you say for fuck's sake. <laughs> Don't try and fucking involve us in this. Yeah, I was gonna say, me and T just sit here in silence in between, in between breaks. Just watch you say awful things. Yeah, Yeah. say terrible, terrible things. Yeah, Cal just has a list of stuff he just reels down. Just goes right. I want to get into a couple of subjects now, and then me and T just sit there and listen to him read a sermon of horrible shit that he wants to get off his chest. Yeah, we hit a stop. It doesn't mean that we hit a stop. <laughs> just just plows through anyway. Um that was your halftime hype uh track. That was uh Casket D's Treasure Chest off the album uh Sewer Steam. And there's a link in the description to the show, and it's also on our halftime hype playlist. If you like it, go and check him out, give him some support, tell him what you think, uh, and get in touch with us as well. Tell us what you think about the tracks from the halftime hype playlist. I'm, we're curious because we like them, so we just want to see what you think. Um all right, let's get into part three. The choice is yours. So, the choice is yours. This is a choice between two things and why. Could be an album, could be artists, could be comedians, could be sneaker brands. 
we could try and keep it as relevant as possible to the week of recording. So this week, there's been um, there's been some movement between two. I'll, I'll be honest; these would be very bottom rung people that I have any care in the world about. Uh, Meek Mill and Takeshi Six Nine. Now, I never thought we'd cover these two on this pod because um, Meek Mill is just a blur, couldn't give a shit rapper. Sort of rapper I'd hear on a track and just wouldn't know it was him. Just couldn't care less. Takeshi Six Nine is probably one of the most unlikable people in the world. Um, he is a nonce, isn't he? That is official. And a rat. So yeah. quite happy if he got hit by a truck and then reversed over several times. Um, so, you know, neither of these are my favourite guy. The reason they're in there is because two of these uh, these two guys have had a beef this week. Uh, I mean, it's a bit fairly pathetic if you've seen the footage of the beef. Like, just loads of security around it, it, both of them and just shouting insults at each other. Fairly petty. Um, and then also Meek Mill... Um, put out some controversial bars this week and i know t you've been uh, been handling the socials this week and, and stuck it up for our listeners to have a little look at yeah um he you know did a did a bar about kobe bryant something about the chopper and um <clears throat> he kobe bryant is a sacred cow in the u.s especially in hip-hop especially as um Meek Mill is from Philadelphia, which is where I believe Kobe's old man is from. So I think that made it a bit like, bro, what are you doing? He's just trying to get a bit of publicity, I suppose. It's like the fact that we're even talking about it means that people want to hear the song. So in a way, I guess it's kind of kind of smart what he done. But in the in the pantheon of offensive things that's been said in hip hop in general, it's not wouldn't say it's at the highest, but because of who it is and who it's about and where he's from. Makes it a bit, makes it a bit cringe. Yeah, I mean, this is my two cents on the on the bar. For me, right there, there's like you said, T. There's been actually what like if you actually look at the the lines written down, there's been many a worse line and phrase and bars spit in hip hop. Um, for whatever reason, this uh, is really, and I think you're right, T. I think it's because of who it's about that people have got particularly offended because there's just so much love and admiration. For me, that's bullshit. Like, the more offensive, the better. No one's off limits. That's it's hip hop. Like, my major issue is is twofold. One, it's completely cynical, right? It's it's designed to get attention. It's not designed to like just be a good bar. And two, it's not a very good line. If it's a really clever line, and it's like really smart, and it's layered, and it's on a classic track then I think it gets less hate. But it's just it's just bad and very obvious to shock. And so that's why I think it's a bit of a wank move. What, what are you saying, Carl? Yeah, it's, you know, you know, I think I think you kind of summed up 6ix9ine, really. He's a, a rat and a nonce. And he's not, and he's not very good. Like, he's just not good. He doesn't make good music. He's not a good rapper. And his, like, shtick is just being a troll. Mm. being a prick um as well as being a fucking rat and uh and a fucking nonce um that's <laughs> <laughs> awesome but yeah yeah it's like none of none of us are none of us are fucking anybody's consigliere but you know nobody likes a grass um but meet mill he's I think we had a question before about rappers' voices that we hate. I fucking hate his voice. I hate yeah. Mio's voice. I think he's his voice is shit, and he is just shit. Like he's just rubbish. <laughs> he's crap, isn't it? He's crap. Like people people rate him. Like people oh, no. in America like rate him. Like it's like 
it's kind of like no he's crap and his voice is crap and i give him credit for nailing Nicki minaj for a little while like fair play like yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like my man g easy like I, I i'll take it to the grave that he beat yeah Jeezy like gets Jeezy will always gets respect for me. Yeah, he always gets respect because he was in Megan Thee Stallion's guts. But um Wow. <laughs> I love how like this this is this is the sort of levels that we're dealing with that we're literally like going in on six nine for being a rat nonce and then Cal's talking about, you know, a young female, uh, and he's using the expression deep in her guts. She's six foot tall, so I don't think he was anywhere <laughs> near her guts. Nah, maybe, 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe got to like the I don't know, small intestine or something. Um, but yeah, I think Meek Mill's biggest crime, two, he's got two biggest crimes one being shit, he is just shit, he's got shit, muggy voice, and yeah. the second thing is he comes across as a bit of a thick cunt, yeah, like um. he got he got a lot of like, and I think rightly so, I think he got a lot of sympathy and he got a lot of support from the hip-hop community, and, and I know Jay-Z got involved, because he was kind of being harassed a bit by the police department and by the parole board, and they were they were harassing him. But he's a bit of a thick cunt, because he's, he's always doing... You're always reading about him doing dumb shit, like getting into, like getting into scraps or doing... He's always doing something stupid, and it's like, like you, got, you had a lot of support, a lot of people helped you out, you're a millionaire, so yeah. you don't need to be around any of this shit. Like, fucking grow up a bit, mate. That's all. Yeah, I, I, like the 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 um, harassment thing is really is a really good shout because there was when you looked at the like list of charges, right? There's loads of stuff on there. You're like, that is fucking bullshit. Like, he literally left the city overnight um, and then came back at like one o'clock in the morning but he'd been out like in his mind that's one the same day because you're like i'm performing at night so if it ticks over into the next day and they're there waiting at one in the morning you're like fucking hell come on like it's 24 hours like technically yes but just think about it he's performing at like midnight of course it's going to be the next day so that's bullshit right but then there are other ones where he just gets pulled over with a gun mm. <laughs> what are you doing you're out for all yeah. what are you doing what yeah. are you doing like you fucking moron and so I, it's really I hard, don't... you know it's I... hard to argue I don't think he's that bad. I don't think he's that bad. I think Championships is, was quite a good album of his. Um, yeah. But <laughs> as Cal says, he's not particularly smart. And I guess his legacy is what happened with him and Drake, even though he probably rightly accused Drake of having ghostwriters. It was it was a mere footnote because Drake, cause Drake kind of um, owned him. Drake tried to get, tried to luck again with um, Pusha T. Came off second best, but yeah, I think um, Meek Mill's biggest crime is that he's not particularly smart. Yeah, fair. So let's take what we've just said about both rat nonce versus uh, shit smart, shit not smart. Um, <laughs> let's. W- what dimension are we putting this through? Are we putting this through? You, you got to keep keep one, so the other one just evaporates into nothing based on their music alone. Let's do that. Cow. Uh, I think. I think I'd. Um... I'd keep Meek Mill because he's mates with my man Ricky Ross. Like I like Ricky Ross, and I'm reading his book at the minute. I didn't tell you that. I'm reading Ricky Ross's book, uh, which is a bit weird to be honest. Um, is he a prison I, officer in this book? Nah, Joe. You know I've only got to like three chapters in, and it's really quite weird because it's just got up to the bit where he's like started dabbling in drugs and stuff. But he like, um, he'll like 
talk about, oh, yeah, I met this guy and his name was, I don't know, they give him a random nickname, like Big Steve, right? And then he'll like go, yeah, and he knew, and he knew this person, this person, this person, this person, this person, this person. Like he'll list like seven, eight people, like drug dealer people. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Like, why did you, why was the, what was the need for that? I don't need to know about fucking Big Dave, Little Steve, Little Arthur. Like, who gives a shit? Like, just tell us the story. But that's, other than that, it's, it's okay. It's okay. Um, but yeah, I'd pick Meat Meal because Takashi's just a rat nonce. Yeah. See? There is not a single aspect of 6ix9ine's life I would pick over Meat Mill. Bang. So it's, it's, I think it should be a clean sweep. Yeah. Even if Meek Mill farted on the mic in every single song he ever did, <laughs> I would pick him over 6 9 Yeah, I've got to admit, as much as um, I really enjoyed uh, Cal saying how shit Meek Mill is, um, I would still listen to him every day of the week over Takeshi 6 9 Also on a human level, Meek Mill is, is pretty dumb. And yeah, he's done some, like we said, pretty dumb shit when he was on parole. But Takeshi 6 9 is an actual sex offender to children. So if he burnt in a fire in a really painful way, I would actually enjoy that. So um, if one of them has to die, it's very obviously Takeshi 6 9 So uh, get fucked and burn in hell. Bang. Mm. All right. Let's, uh, let's now move on to part four. This is where we answer your lovely listener questions. This is the questions.
Thank you for listening to the Notorious P.O.D., a hip-hop podcast. This was a hip-hop forum episode, so a special thank you to Cow and T for their insight as always. Big up to man like Grindhouse, who's made all the theme music for the show. So please follow him on Twitter and show him some love at Music Grindhouse and on Spotify by searching for Grindhouse. That's G-R-I-N-D House. Please remember to leave us a review, or as we call it, your five for five. So give us a five-star review, and in return, you can leave us your top five favourite MCs of all time. Remember, we'll be adding all the songs mentioned and featured in our episodes on a Spotify playlist, so if you search for The Notorious Podcast Joints, you will find it. If you don't already, please follow us on Twitter at NotoriousP underscore O underscore D. On Instagram, we're at the Notorious P-O-D. And follow me on Insta and Twitter at the Real John Bass. That's J-O-N-B-A-S-S. See you next time. Peace. Peace. It's the questions, it's the questions, boy, it's the questions, it's the questions, come on, the questions, it's the questions, boy, it's the questions, it's the questions, yeah, the questions. Okay, so this is the questions, this is where we answer your lovely listener questions. Um, T, you came up with a great idea, which uh, was fairly obvious, staring us all in the face, which was to let people submit their questions on the website. Um, we set that up this week, and... Lovely Stephen has sent us a load of questions on the website. So thanks, Steve. What a legend. Uh, So he said, uh, I've got a few questions. This is the first one. What's the weirdest sample that has ever been successfully used on a hip-hop track? That's quite a broad question. I I tried to think about it. I couldn't really really think of much. We've spoken about it before, but you know when Jay-Z did the Annie, the Annie stuff? Mm-hmm. That was yeah. weird because it was like a, a musical, like, yeah, and it was like a little girl. You would never put like, like that kind of musical with a hip hop track. They were, it was kind of a commercial hip hop track. It's, it's a phase though, because I think Buster Rams did it too, didn't he? And Nas, yeah. even though I know I can, I think Buster did it with some playground song that I've forgotten now. Mm. So, yeah, it's a bit of a phase that. Um, I mean, I don't know. What would you call a weird sample? Did it just be something like from a TV show or? Yeah, I guess something that's like. Song? Yeah, I guess something that's like a little bit out there in terms of, you know, normally like it's just a soul sample, isn't it? But sometimes you get really random samples from very different artists that you wouldn't really expect. I guess uh, maybe Dizzy Rascal using Captain Sensible, but does that cover the pantheon of hip hop? I don't know. But Captain Sensible is fucking random. Tell us a good one as well. Um, Jay Z and Nas, Black Republicans. The sample is from The Godfather Two, which is so out there. Like who who would have thought watching The Godfather Two? It's the bit where Young Vito is walking around the market and whacks the uh, the guy that's running the neighborhood. And after Robert De Niro's character Vito Corleone does the whacking, that song plays. And it's like, or it might even be before the whacking, actually. But it's like, how, how did you get A with B? Like, it's so, it's so mm-hmm. clever. That's one that's out there, I think. Yeah, there's um, just thinking about there's on forgot about Dre. You know the dun 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 dun. That yeah. is a te- a techno tune, right? Like slowed down before the drums kick in. That, oh, that okay. Little, just a little. That's a bit out there. Sample, which I think is a bit out there because. 
I just assumed that was just played in. I didn't realize it was a sample. I mean, it was played in because Dre does that. He doesn't actually use the sample. He replays them in. Gal, <laughs> just dropped your mic. I love the way you look, looked around like that's how it works. It's sad. <laughs> My mic just like, I was just like, it was like that Stevie Wonder video. You know that Stevie Wonder video when the mic's going and he just, with his senses, goes, <laughs> just catches it. It was like that. It just went for some reason, but I caught it. It's fine. It's just the way you looked around like no one saw it. It's like, we heard it. It's sound. It's a fucking microphone. If you drop it, it makes a noise. It was just a look of like, no one saw, no one saw that. No one saw that. It's fine. Fucking brilliant. Um, right. Steve also said, do you listen to non-English hip-hop? If so, which ones? So I'm assuming he means as in like non-English speaking. The only one for me is French hip-hop, which is uh, Cyan Supercrew. I used to listen to a bit of that back in the day. Uh, couldn't tell you any albums, any tracks, but that's probably the only non-English speaking hip-hop I've ever really properly listened to. And again, haven't really properly listened to it. So I think but, in... I think hip hop, more than any other genre, the, what they're saying is so important. So it's difficult to listen to non-English hip hop. Um, I listen to you know Portuguese like Bossa Nova. <clears throat> listen to you know Fela Kuti, which is like pigged in English. And I listen to you know, you know there's French music, Spanish music, all sorts. But <clears throat> when it comes to hip hop, it's very strange music to listen to in in non-English speaking. I mean. Just as far as I've gone, probably MC, MC Solar's verse in All In My Girl by Missy Elliott. But as for an entire non-English-speaking hip-hop album, um, no. Um, in terms of non-English hip-hop, I mean, outside of England and America, I don't listen to a great deal else outside of that. Fair enough. How about you, Cal? Anything on, on the agenda? Um... Do you remember when the RZA brought out that album, The World According to RZA, and it was a load of like, do you remember that? A load of foreign rappers. Basically. Yeah, because wasn't that, that was the, what kicked off him meeting that geezer who they eventually set up the album that ripped off the rest of the Wu-Tang. That's what how it started, wasn't it? Right, right. Now, I don't, I just remember my cousin had it. And my cousin, like I said before on the podcast, that my cousin was really into Wu-Tang and the RZA and all that kind of thing. And uh, I remember you know, going around to see him one day and he was listening to some some hip hop like a RZA sounding beat and then somebody's going, Oh, oh I was just like, mate, why why are you listening to this for? Like, you don't understand it. I don't understand why you're doing it. Yeah, but it's the flow, isn't it? He goes, Yeah, it's the flow, isn't it? It sounds good. I was like, nah mate, it's not shit. Um but yeah, I remember that, but no, no I do not. Um I I did discover a jazz band from Cape Verde while I was out in Lisbon. Uh, and I don't understand any of their lyrics, but I really liked the CD that I bought from them. Um, so I'm not saying there's no room in my life for lyrics that aren't English, but in terms of hip hop that's not English, uh, no, not, not, not anyone that stands out. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Because I think hip hop is so much about the narrative and the stories. And if you don't understand it, it's quite, it's quite difficult to get into it. Um, all right, Steve's uh, third question. Who do you consider to be the best hip-hop DJ of all time? He's put, for me, it's Lefto or Jazzy Jeff. Now, I've seen Jazzy Jeff a couple of times, and I've got to back that up. Probably one of the best DJs of any genre I've seen live. It was fucking excellent. And I saw him uh, in Brooklyn, and he basically was with DJ Scratch. And they were basically doing like almost two sets through the night. So the, the first half of the night was like digital, basically. And then the last couple of hours, they both went back to back on vinyl, which was which was pretty special. So, yeah, for me, I'd, I'd say like 
uh, Jazzy Jeff, DJ Scratch, DJ Premier as well, seen live, which was great. He did like four hours just rinsing through his like best best tracks on vinyl, which was pretty cool. Uh, any other suggestions, boys? Uh, in terms of what I've seen live, it probably would be Jazzy Jeff. Um, it's up there, but another DJ that are up there, um, DJ Spinner, absolutely amazing. I think he was involved with um, Raucous back in the in the early noughties, but DJ Spinner's amazing. So those two, put, in terms of hip-hop, those are probably the two of the best I've seen. Cal? Um, Spinderella, mate. Everyone else can fuck off, to be honest. Talking about <laughs> Spinderella. Um, they, they got rid of her in a biopic. Bit unfair, that. It's fucking bullshit, mate. Fuck it, because they were jealous. Um, i tell you what. Um, I, I saw DJ Premier do some bits when myself and T went to see Prime. Yes. That was Islington, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, any opportunity to leave Bass out of the conversation because he wasn't there. He's just great. <laughs> Fucking shit mug. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking little mugs. <laughs> oh, we were, we were friends before we met you. Oh, grow up. Getting ready for the Calvin T show. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that- Primo... I saw Primo DJ once, and he didn't blow me away, to be fair. Well, without me? Yeah, it was without you. Do you know what you the funny thing was? You Carl, didn't you? Naturally. He's cool. You're not cool. Uh, oh, I've got one of you. Oh, Carl, do you want to come on the podcast? After I do this hippity hop podcast, do you want to come? No, never. It was, it was making a bit of sense. That's why. Um. What was I going to say? <laughs> it was um, that night. It was, um, it was Primo, Mark Ronson, funnily enough, and Jazzy yeah. Jeff. Oh, All doing hip hop sets. It was a good night. It's a very, very good night. But Jazzy Jeff just has, he's just a turntable wizard. And to be fair, all I'm, I'm going to caveat this this is the best hip hop DJs that I've seen. I'm not saying that they're the best around. I'm not seeing a breadth of hip hop and hip hop DJs kind of say, well, he's the best of all time. Of the ones I've seen, Jazzy Jeff is just a genius. And if you get a chance to see him, you've got to see him. Yeah, seconded. Yeah, he is absolutely a genius. And, um, I always enjoy his summertime. He always has the summertime mixes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they're always brilliant. And actually, special mention, and a, we always dig out Southern hip-hop, um, but I'm going to be nice. DJ Michael Watts, you know, he kind of invented the, you know, he's one of the guys that, you know, helped bring the whole screw, chopped and screwed things to to, to the mainstream. And I, I think he deserves a mention as well. Fair enough. Um, and Steve's final question is what is your favourite freestyle YouTube video? He's put brackets, Five Fingers of Death by Joey Badass for me. Um, I thought this was quite a good one as well, because, I mean, there's the obvious ones. We, we mentioned the, the Jay-Z and Big L. Like, if, if someone's like, oh, show me a freestyle, that's the first one that always pops into my head. It's on YouTube, but I don't know if he means it's like you actually got the footage as well, or whether it's right. just like something's available. I don't know. We'll, we'll keep it open because it might be easier. Um, there's the... It's the Biggie wickedest freestyle. Biggie Smalls is the wickedest. Brother say I'm pussy. A day to sticky dickiness. I give you syphilis. Gonorrhea, chlamydia, getting rid of you. That one is always one I used to just listen and play and send to people because I thought that was sick. Any other um, any other freestyles, Cal? Um, one 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 of my favorite favorite uh, freestyles. Um, it's got to be making the band when. Diddy made them made them sing at each other when when Diddy made them sing at each other. I don't oh know why God, it yeah. was. That was one of the. That That's was so funny. The... <laughs> and 
they're doing all the ad libs and they're like they're looking at you like if you watch it with the sound off and they're like fucking hell they must be saying some horrible shit and they're like oh baby no, like, I thought it was fucking brilliant. And then, like, they made they made them like sing each other, and they're they're like they've just woken up, and they're trying to be like all like tough and that. They're like they're men, and they're singing at other men, and they feel a bit insecure about it. And they've just woken up. I think they woke them up at like six in the morning to do it. And uh, Puffy's like, "Don't sing at me, sing at him." And then, <laughs> and then they start singing at each other, and then one of them starts singing "Boys to Men," the end of the road, and then oh. everybody. Everybody else joins in. Can't hate on it. Actual goosebumps. Actual yeah. goosebumps when they did that. Um, one of my favourites is, uh, I think it was, like, they filmed They filmed it. Um, it was a DJ Green Lantern freestyle, and they, they filmed it and put it in the studio, and it's Joe Budden, and he does a freestyle over Last Day's beat, uh, the, which is the Onyx beat, which Onyx, I know I've yeah. mentioned on this podcast before. Um, one of those underrated beats. And um, yeah, he was great, and he actually throws a little bar at Ransom right at the end. That's when they had their little beef, and I... I was a big fan of Joe Budden as a rapper and I like him as a podcaster as well. And he's fucking great me material. And uh, yeah, but him and Ransom, two of my faves. And so, yeah, I'd probably say that one. Fair enough. T? Uh, it's got to be Mad Skills on Stretching Bebito. Um, freestyled on about three different beats over 10 minutes. It's him and Q-Tip, I believe. Um, I think the first freestyle he did was over, the, over a Milkbone beat. But yeah, I think Mad Skills is the one that just stands out all the time. I remember my mate's brother had it on vinyl, blue vinyl. Because you know, back then you weren't there was no YouTube back then, so it'd either be someone with well, a record of as a means to just produce it on vinyl and sell it, or just be on some kind of tape that people share around a playground. But yeah, the Mad Skills one, probably about circa '96 and Stretch and Bebito is probably the one I'd pick. Lovely stuff, um, Steve. Thanks for your questions. If you want to submit questions, uh, notoriouspod.com, chuck us some over, and we will read them out. Uh, we also had some from Twitter. So Tony Wright. Uh, it's put, will the long-awaited Kendrick album live up to the hype, or has he had dangerously too much time to build up on ideas like U2's damn guest appearance for it to bang? Is that a thing? No like, idea. Is U2, are U2 going to appear on a Kendrick album? Is that a thing? Don't know. I, I guess he's just making the point that you can overthink these projects. I mean, look, we've seen it with, with Detox, Dre, right? You can... Come up with a whole set of ideas. Take your time. Take your time. Take your time. And then that sound you've created is been and gone. And it's like ah oh, fuck. So then you have to redo it, do something different, move it forward. You wait and you wait and you wait, and the same thing happens again. And you you're basically left with just half finished, incoherent albums. And it, like I, I worry for Kendrick that that's what we're approaching now because there's been such a long time between projects and. Sounds are changing. There's things going on like that have, that have moved the soundscape a little bit. I, I, I am interested to see what's going to happen, how long this hiatus is going to be. In a way, so I, I think we spoke about it on the pod I did with Jay DeVirgo about this actually um, used to be the norm for like really high-profile artists. You didn't used to get a fucking project every year, let alone two or three projects every year. Like, you know, people like Drake who are massive to that level they're putting out so much material like back in the day that would not be the case you would like you'd have a couple of years in between albums and so this kendrick scenario i just kind of feel like maybe he's doing himself a favor maybe he's just taking it taking it in and like leaving it and just ready to be in a situation where he's ready to put something out when he feels it's the right time and maybe it's just not the right time what do you think t 
Um, yeah, you two appeared on the Dam album, if that's what um, the guy was referring to. Yeah. I think with people like Kendrick, I don't think I don't think a gap is really going to affect him. He's not someone who follows trends. He's not someone... I mean, someone like Drake reminds me of Madonna to a degree, whereby Madonna will see what was fashionable at a certain time and release music in that vein. You know, I mean, I think she released an R&B album in the mid-90s with Mr. Dove and a song called Human Nature. And then other times she did Vogue, which is all the rage in the gay bars of New York. I don't think um, Kendrick Lamar or someone's going to see, well, I don't know, there's a lot of draw. There's a lot of people rapping over draw. I'm going to make a drill album. He's someone who just does, he's in his own lane. So I don't think time is really going to affect him that much. Mm. It may affect someone like Drake has to be relevant. Um, I don't feel Kendrick Lamar needs that as much as Drake, and I think Kendrick could be fine. I agree. I agree. I, I think I think Kendrick is is immune to whack juice. I think he's absolutely fine. I don't think there's going to be a problem with him at all. Uh, I think he'll. I it may not. You know, it may not be Section Eighty, but I still think he'll put out a really good album next time around. Fair play. Uh, last question is from Teflon at Teflon Six on Twitter. They ask this. I think this is a banging question. Which albums or tunes do you love but are considered wrong slash uncool? Or maybe which albums, songs that everyone loves just don't do it for you? Now, for me, um, songs that I don't think are considered like that cool, which I guess is just because they were mainstream and popular, is like MOP, Cold as Ice, is like their most commercial hit, right? But it is fucking hard. I love it. I mm. absolutely love it. And I feel like when I play that, I feel twofold. One, people that are into hip hop are like, <laughs> he's gone for the single. What an one idiot. Mm. Like he doesn't he doesn't know MOP. <laughs> so that fucking grates on me. Because I'm like, no, no, no. I, I love MOP. I just really like this track as well. And then people who aren't massively into hip hop just see it as like a bit of a novelty record. And yeah. that fucking winds me up because it is actually great and i love it so that would be my my two cents i think as a, as an example of something that i think is considered a little bit uncool but it's actually a banger um how about you cal i need to see the question again i want to see the question again um basically like are there songs that are uncool or just is considered wrong to like them that you like and vice versa we're not including oh, happy people by r kelly are we that's 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 <laughs> Happy People is still a banger. I, mean, I stand by that. I stand by R. Kelly's back catalogue. It's still still got absolute jams, and I'll still listen to him. Yeah, so. we'll, we'll, we'll just kind of discount that. That just goes. That I think that kind of goes without saying that Happy People by R. Kelly bangs, and it's wrong to like it. But <laughs> yeah. we all we all do, um, and that's fine. Um, yeah. Songs that everybody loves that just don't do it for you, um, or things that are uncool. I like lots of things that are uncool. Uh, I am quite uncool, uh, to be honest. Um, that's Says the man in the Rough Riders chain and the wrestling. Yeah, in, in the Rough Riders <laughs> chain with the with the wrestling and the bad boy playlist. Like, that's fine. Yeah, I there's loads of those really. That there's there's stuff that that you know perhaps I shouldn't like, but you know, I've got my whole guilty pleasures playlist has got all that kind of random kind of stuff on it, really. Um what's the things that perhaps people really like and I don't are like it's a, like a lot of Kanye stuff. So like and this isn't me digging out Kanye to dig out Kanye like I always do. It's just like late registration didn't really do it for me. Like I didn't love that album. Um, and then um, there's even songs later on that that I didn't love um, off like the graduation album and stuff like that. And then, yeah, the, the stuff that's 
that's uncool yeah it's probably like the bad boy stuff the g-unit radio um fucking loon's second album like nobody has ever listened to loon's second album other than me like yeah loads of shit like that but um yeah in terms of stuff that's like cool but i don't really like it i'd say like kanye's the one that leaps out at me yeah fair enough how about you t um a lot of what Frank Ocean did after Nostalgia Ultra was stuff that I wasn't particularly fond of. So that's probably me. The album that I like, that's probably... Every time this question comes up, every time something similar comes up, it's always the same thing I answer, and it's Common Electric Circus. I loved that album. No one else did. But um, we spoke about Jay Diller on the previous episode, and Jay Diller's um, fingerprints are all over that album. And um, <clears throat> I mean, I Am Music of Jill Scott. That's one of the best songs Common has done and Jules got smashes that. So that's probably the album that I like. That's probably a little bit not mainstream. In, term, in terms of um, stuff that I, in terms of the stuff that's probably more in the vein of what everyone likes that I don't, probably Gold Digger. It's a very basic song. Oh, and it's kind it. of It's kind yeah. of a successful song and it just doesn't do much. I mean, obviously if I'm drunk in a, in a pub, then I'll, when it comes on, I'll don't mind it. But, it's not one of my favourite songs of his. Um, I mean, Late Registration is one of those albums that the splits opinion, but I really enjoyed it. I think what I enjoyed about that album was that you know, it had a bit of the orchestra and there's a rovinous sound a bit. It wasn't all about the sped up samples, which the first album was littered with, and a lot of other producers did at the time. So he did Late Registration, which had the orchestras. I think he did an album called Late Orchestra, something like that. Yeah. It's like a remake of the album. So he's evolving the sound, but. Yeah, I guess Go Digger would probably be the song and The Legend of Circus would be the album for, for me. Good shout. Well, thanks for that. Teflon6, good question, mate. Good question. Mm. Like I said, if you want to um, reach out to us, you can hit us on Twitter, uh, at NotoriousPOD. You can hit us on Instagram, same. Uh, you can get us on our website, NotoriousPOD.com. Uh, send us your music as well. Artists, send us your music. Uh, leave us reviews, good or bad, we don't care. Do your top fives, um, your personal favourite MCs, and then leave us a nice five-star review. We'll read some interesting uh, interesting ones out. Um, been a pleasure as always. Um, anything, from, anything from you two? Are you done? Nah, all good, all good. Thank you for listening to The Notorious P.O.D., a hip-hop podcast. This was a hip-hop forum episode, so a special thank you to Cal and T for their insight as always. Big up to man like Grindhouse, who's made all the theme music for the show. So please follow him on Twitter and show him some love at Music Grindhouse and on Spotify by searching for Grindhouse. That's G-R-I-N-D House. Please remember to leave us a review, or as we call it, your five for five. So give us a five-star review, and in return, you can leave us your top five favorite MCs of all time. Remember, we'll be adding all the songs mentioned and featured in our episodes on a Spotify playlist. So if you search for the Notorious Podcast Joints, you will find it. If you don't already, please follow us on Twitter at NotoriousP underscore O underscore D. On Instagram, we're at the Notorious P-O-D. And follow me on Insta and Twitter at the Real John Bass. That's J-O-N-B-A-S-S. See you next time. Peace. Peace.